Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, April the 28th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, I've been uh, basically going crazy the last couple of days because the weather's been so beautiful when we do the shows in the morning. Today it's rainy. And so in order to stay true to the theme, I have to say how great it is that it's raining because the plants need the rain in the spring, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sadly, we lost a lemon tree this year uh, that was about 15 years old and used to produce about 100 pounds of lemons every year. Really? <laughs> wow. So that was, that was sad. Um, but that's the way I used to deal with the rain. When it rained here, I would say, well, you know what? My lemon tree is happy. Yeah. And <laughs> the plants are happy and we want a beautiful green world. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So, a hundred pounds a year. I mean, that's a lot of lemons. That's a ton. Well, not yeah, quite. It's yeah. actually one twentieth of a ton, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a little bit sad, but we planted a, a, new, um, a new citrus tree and, you know, life goes on. Um, just say, that crazy, crazy weather. It just did not survive. I really think it got hit hard maybe two or three winters ago and it just, it never really bounced back. Oh, I see. So, you, you said another citrus tree is another lemon tree. Um, it's a satsuma. A satsuma. I don't know what that is. Satsumas are sort of like a tangerine. Oh, okay. And some of them are green on the outside but they have orange, you know, juice inside. Um, and some of them are orange in the mm. color. And they're a little, hmm, they're very, very sweet. They're just really good. I, I never had known what one was until I moved here either. Um, but they're they're delicious. <laughs> so Interesting. we'll yeah. see what happens. There's, I mean, I, three I, there's three tiny, tiny satsumas on it right now. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I, that is a name I never me. heard. I mean... I, I know there are a lot of fruits out there in the world, and, and many of them I had never heard of, but I, I thought I'd heard of all the ones that were here in the U.S. That one I had never heard of. Brand new to me. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, so that's nice. We've, we've been planting and planting, and, you know, it's been – we put in some tomatoes, and that's the first for me. I mean, I've never um, – I've never grown any vegetables, so – and technically tomatoes are a fruit, I realize – but so that's kind of that's kind of fun. So yeah, I'm not going to get too down if it rains here. Although I've been enjoying the nice, sunny, beautiful weather as well. So oh yeah, yeah. It's especially it's for you. Lovely. You go on walks, so it's I know. Like, yeah, that that's yeah. the one bad thing because I probably I mean I was looking at the hour by hour on AccuWeather and unless something really changes, I'm not getting a walk in today because I don't want to get wet. <laughs> that's not fun. <laughs> Sometimes for for like. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it's been a last couple of years. It's been so funny whenever there's been a really big storm system and we'll look at the radar and it's like overall it looks like, oh, wow, we are going to get slammed mm. with this storm. And then the way the storm passes, it passes over us. But there'll be this little sketchy area in the middle of the radar that's just kind of spotty and scattered. And that's the part that goes like right over us and we barely get anything. It always reminds me of those stories like esther hicks story of you know it it only rained on it her property because right. she wanted rain or <laughs> yeah. whatever and i think well we're getting away with it again there's mm -hmm. no rain here but you know it it's it rains and we need the rain so well rain is definitely good it's it's one of the ways that the spring greens things up and you know that's the best part about spring spring is the season of renewal and you, that's when all the animals come out. It's when all the the buds come out and the flowers that are the early perennials come out. And it, it you know, it's when all the good stuff happens from a, a living earth kind of point of view. So, you know, I don't, I don't mind April rain. I, I just want it to be sunny most of the days, but uh, you know, you got to have <laughs> Or like some. we were talking about, it would, it really would be nice if it rained at night. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. You, you know, maybe that's what we should do. All the plants could get their renewal, and then in the morning the sun could be up. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's Perfect. what we should do. Maybe we should put in an order that says, you know, we want rain every night or every other night. Perhaps you don't want to have too much rain, but you know, rain every other night and sun during the day, and then everybody's happy. The plants are happy. The animals are happy. We're happy. Everybody's everything's happy. <laughs> Just the and the perfect amount of rain, no hurricanes or anything. Yeah, we we can do without that. Hur hurricanes. You know what? You know what I realized that hurricanes are. 
hurricanes are nature making up for the fact that it decided not to rain for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, nature has a way of, of taking care of itself that sometimes is inconvenient to um, humans, but yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) But as Wendy says, it's all good. It's all good. It is. So we are working on money and the law of attraction. We're still in part two and we've been looking at a number of little short sub question sections uh, that are questions that Jerry raised with Abraham during various conversations. And the one we're on today has another one of those really weird titles. In fact, it, it's so weird that I, I'm not quite sure just reading it. How do you put the two concepts together? But it says feeling negative with respect to money or cancer. And the only way I can think of to put them together is, I guess there are people who have you know, severe situations with cancer where it costs a lot of money. Other than that, I'm not sure how you how you relate them. Well, but. I still think it's so funny that when I originally read that title, I did not see the word cancer. I, th- I looked at it and I thought... Okay, feeling negative with respect to money. And, and I remember <laughs> putting the bookmark there and I said to myself, well, that's certainly a thing. A lot of people have, you know, negative feelings toward a lot of money. And I didn't realize it until right before the show. It says respect to money or cancer. What? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. It actually makes sense once you hear what Jerry's question is. So why don't I just read that? Jerry's question says, so what's the difference between having a negative feeling about money and therefore you don't get money? And saying, I don't want cancer, but you do get cancer. That that makes more sense when you say it that way. It does. And, you know, it's kind of funny because that's what people, I've heard people say that about the concept, trying to understand the concept of resistance and say, you know how we've talked about sometimes when we've desired something and then sort of forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. And then some time passes and here it comes and yeah. it's like, oh, my goodness. And then we think, oh, wow. Like I said, I wanted this and then I forgot, <clears throat> excuse me, I forgot all about it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then what, why did it show up now? I mean, I asked for this four weeks ago and now it shows up. What's going on here? <laughs> and that whole, that whole idea of like, I forgot about it so that I wasn't resisting it. <clears throat> but then exactly. the other kind of, the other side of resistance, which is not wanting something. So I get it. It's like, well, how come when, you know, <laughs> How come when I don't want cancer, I, I get it. But when I don't want money, <laughs> it doesn't come. Mm-hmm. So Abraham says, here's the way it works. You get the essence of what you think about. And so as you are thinking about the lack of health, you're getting the lack of health. As you are thinking about the lack of money, you're getting the lack of money. You can tell by the way you feel as you are offering your thoughts whether you are attracting the positive or the negative aspects of the subject. The universe does not hear no. When you are saying, no, I do not want illness, your attention to the subject of illness is saying, yes, come to me, this thing I do not want. Yeah, we <laughs> should laughed st- about that little phrase before. We, we, we should stop there to it and, <laughs> and just touch on this for a bit because that concept, the universe does not hear no. When I first heard that, first of all, it answered the question when I heard that. And second of all, I said, well, what's the matter with the universe? Doesn't it understand plain English? (laughs) I mean, come on, it's no. And what I realized that it meant was that the universe doesn't respond to the human way of providing opposites. Because we think of yes and no as being opposites, right? We think of true and false as being opposites. But that's not the way they actually are from a vibrational perspective. And that takes some getting used to. Well, this goes back to the inclusive universe idea. Yes. That you're not, you know, including some things and not including others. It's just that you're including the lack. So it's always including whatever it is. I think that's a really interesting concept and kind of hard to get your head around at first when you hear it that universe is inclusive well Um, it also upsets the the idea of say debate because most debate is about true versus false yes versus no not realizing that those aren't the two factions (laughs) those aren't the two sides of the debate I, i mean can you imagine what would happen with like political debate 
if political debate truly treated opposites that are opposites, something and lack of something, you know, all of a sudden you can't say, well, that's not true as a way of opposing it because you're still on the same subject. <laughs> well, there's, there's also, have you heard this idea before? And I know I've heard it. I just can't like say where, but that this, that our subconscious does not hear the word not, or it, it doesn't hear the negative part. So people I've heard that, that yeah. people that create affirmations will be careful about this, um, making the affirmation positive. Well, I'll tell you, I, I've gotten to the point now where I'm not really clear what the subconscious mind is. At one point, my sister-in-law, Yuana, who did the show with me you know, a few years ago, had me convinced uh, that because of, I can't remember which author it was, some some scientific author, that the subconscious mind was actually how the body stores uh, knowledge, stores information. So the, the body is, in essence, the subconscious. And yet I've also heard the idea that the subconscious mind is just a fiction. It doesn't really exist. So I, I'm not sure what to make of the concept of the subconscious. Now, you, now we're adding in this whole idea of does the subconscious understand no or not? Well, okay, how do I understand that? Do I understand that in terms of a subconscious that actually does not exist? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's interesting. Um, and I've never delved into it too much. But it would it would line right up with this. It would, yes. Is that if you're saying, I don't want cancer, your subconscious isn't hearing the don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and truly, it does kind of make sense in regards to what Abraham is saying. Abraham is saying, you're still focused on the cancer. Yeah. Whether you're, even though you're saying you don't want it, that you're, you're, that's the subject of your request is still cancer. You're still focusing on that. Which means so, really the only way to stop focusing on getting cancer is to stop focusing on the topic of cancer. Right. And I think he's, I think Abraham says here, anything is going to address that exact. Okay. That exact well, let's hear it. Anything you're giving your attention to is an invitation to the essence of it. When you are saying, I want money, but it will not come, your attention to its absence is the same as saying, come to me, absence of money, which I do not want. <laughs> which sounds funny that way, but it's also a lot clearer. Yeah. <laughs> when you're thinking of money in the way that will make it come to you, you always feel good. When you're thinking of money in the way that keeps it from coming to you, you always feel bad. That's how you know the difference. So yep. you are asking, if I can get cancer by focusing upon the lack of health, then why couldn't I get money by focusing on the lack of it? The receiving of money, which you do want, is the same as the receiving of health, which you do want. The receiving of cancer, which you do not want, is the same as the receiving of no money, which you do not want. Ah. Oh. Mm. I'm going to read that again because it's so clear. If you are asking, if I can get cancer by focusing upon the lack of health, then why couldn't I get money by focusing on the lack of money? The receiving of money, which you do want, is the same as the receiving of health, which you do want. The receiving of cancer, which you do not want, is the same as the receiving of no money, which you do not want. Just make sure that whatever thoughts you are thinking or whatever words you are speaking evoke from you positive emotion, and then you will be in the mode of attracting what you do want. When negative emotion is present, you're in the mode of attracting something that you do not want. I like that section that you reread, and I like it for a couple of reasons. One reason that I like it is that when it's made clear that way, that uh, the receiving of cancer... That which you do not want is the same as the receiving of no money, which you do not want. Well, it's a little weird way of saying it, but it, it also clarifies things. That way of looking at it is informative as to why it is so often we ask for money and we don't get it. And the reason I say that is so often if we look up close at what we mean when we say I want money, you know, if we, if we <clears throat> kind of flesh it out, if we if we give a detail, if we say, well, you know, I want money because of this and because of that and because of that, I found, at least for myself, and I suspect it's true for others too, that 
so often what I am expressing to myself about why I want money and what I want it to do with money and so forth, I express in terms of not having money. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way it, it seemed to me when I was first thinking I wanted the money. It didn't seem to me that I was uh, thinking about it and feeling about it in the framework of a lack of money. And yet I was. There, that I think right there is where it, it's 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 hard to do without an actual example. We should probably find an actual example, but it, it it's a hard thing to understand, and yet it's true that probably ninety nine times out of hundred, maybe a hundred times out of a hundred, <laughs> whenever the money isn't showing up, invariably there is something in our thought process that we think of as being wanting money that is actually wanting the lack of money, or putting the focus on the lack of money, right. Right. right, because we, consciously we would always say, well, we don't want a lack of money. Yeah, we don't but really what, use the phrase. <laughs> but what brings it up, and that, that's what I'm thinking that you're really making the point clear about, is that often what brings it into our focus is a lack of some sort, mm-hmm. right? Like something isn't going right, like the roof is leaking or the, the car is breaking down or an appliance has, needs to be replaced and we don't feel that we have you know, the money where we can easily spend it. Right. So, it's like, so that's the lack, what so, so caused there it is. us to think about the fact that we wish we had more money. Yes. And so because it's that thing that happened or that lack we're experiencing or that hardship or that pain, then that's where we're focused. It's that, oh, this is happening and I don't have the money. So since today is a rainy day, um, assume for a sake of discussion that the the roof is leaking, which I'm glad that it's not. The roof is dry as can be. I am so happy about that. Me but, too. Me too. <laughs> but if the roof was leaking, what's the very first thought that comes to your mind? Where is the money going to come from to fix it? <laughs> yeah. The very first thought is, oh, my goodness, it's going to cost a lot of money to replace this roof or fix the roof or whatever. And, 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 and that's I what I mean. That's... That, that's a thought we don't think of as being a lack of money thought. We think of that as being a money thought. Right. Yeah, no, but it's, that's what I mean is I think that a lot of the time, I'm not going to say all of the time because we may be thinking about something that we'd like that brings joy to us that may not be causing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, thinking about um, going on a trip or going to buy something that we enjoy. And we may think, oh, yeah, I want to do that. And we're kind of having happy thoughts about it. But Mm -hmm. when something comes up, that's definitely a, a a pain in the neck, <laughs> a hardship of some kind, a pain in the wallet. <laughs> yeah. A pain in the wallet. Um, we definitely, we kind of start off on the wrong foot because yeah. at that point we're totally focused on that. This thing is a hardship mm-hmm. and that is just not going to lead us to being in that kind of vibe where we're bringing more money in unless we recognize it and, and do the pivot, come back around. Which means that what I've been learning over time is the importance of any time a money question of any kind comes up, asking myself, which way am I looking at this? Am I looking at it from a have position or am I looking at it from a lack of position? Because they're not the same. And, and it's taken, I'm still not to the point where I always feel the difference immediately. Once I focus on this question a bit, then I start to feel the difference. But a lot of the time, I still don't recognize the difference. That, that's, that's a little bit scary to me. How could I not feel the difference initially? It's like, well, how did I program myself that way? <laughs> well, you know what? It may actually be a good thing and because I'm looking at it like this. This is funny because <clears throat> I'm actually looking at my screen and there is a, a, a um, virtual kind of lever for my volume, right? Yep. And I keep it at in the middle. So it's right at it's at 51. <laughs> <laughs> so that little lever, I can slide it either way. Right. And so if it were to be all the way to the left, you couldn't hear me and it'd be totally quiet. And if it was all the way to the right, it'd probably be feeding back and way too loud. And mm-hmm. so one extreme to the other. And there would be there is no problem with telling the difference. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? So I'm thinking about everything being because of the the law of polarity, everything is really just one thing, but there are 
Abraham says everything is two things, right? So every one thing is two things. Everything where we think there are lack and, uh, and plenty, it's really one thing. It's all on the same scale. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells me is maybe you're balanced somewhere in the middle where it kind of feels the same, which is so much better than being way over on the negative side. <laughs> so I guess that's a, a sign of improvement more than anything else. Right. Yeah. Because okay. at some point, the 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 lack of had to feel really really bad which <laughs> and <it did>. now <laughs> it's like okay i recognize that you know there's always lack and there's always abundance they're all mixed into the same thing it's just opposite poles it's just two sides of the same coin so to speak yeah which i think is such an apt metaphor because we're talking about money but i think that that may be as part of it i think that's really interesting yeah, well, they didn't really mention the two-ended stick in this, did they? But that was the other concept that really helped me get a grip on why it was that I would seem to focus on something and not get it. The idea of the two-ended stick where one end is the thing end and the other end is the lack of thing end. That When, when you visualize never, it that way. I never realized until a few months ago when we started this whole conversation, I never realized how often I was still focused on the the thing I didn't want. Mm, me too. Yeah. And I I recognize that like I I keep telling the story, but I recognized it back in January when I when I started getting feeling oh, like colds. I was getting coming down with something, getting sick. Right. Yeah, I remember that. And sa- and trying to practice. We were talking about pivoting where money was concerned, but I I started trying to practice that pivot with health because mm-hmm. I would find my brain going down that path of oh I don't want to be sick. I think my throat is hurting worse. I don't you know. No, 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 no. And then I realized, well, I'm just here focusing on the symptoms. I need to focus on what I want, not what I don't want. And it was really hard to determine what I wanted because what I wanted was not to be sick. (laughs) And it was like, I'm still focusing on being sick. I need to focus on health. And so it's the same thing. And I think we're on autopilot sometimes. It's hard to turn the plane around. (laughs) It is. And, And it's about becoming conscious. That's really what it is. We have to be conscious of this stuff if we're going to become deliberate creators like we want to be. Um, Now, the next section is actually a fairly long section. So I'm going to take a 30-second break and remind people who are not yet subscribers to subscribe to the podcast because most of our listeners are subscribers. We know that just from seeing the statistics about know who listens to what episode or not who listens to but how many people listen to what episode and and uh you know how often episodes are downloaded and so forth and and we can see you know just based on you know when people download that there there is a certain group that downloads within the first week and there's another group it takes like up to a month and so forth but it that combined with the bandwidth usage we know that first of all the number of people who subscribe well the average uh, number of of episode plays per month is 45 episodes per listener. That means a lot of people are subscribed. And secondly, we know that on average, the average episode gets downloaded 90% of of the way, which means they're listening to most of the show most of the time, which means that probably most of the time they're listening to the whole show and then there are a small number of people who are listening to five minutes of it or something like that. So clearly people are subscribed. But for those who are new, they may not be subscribed and that's why we want to take the time to remind you very easy to do. Just go to the homepage, LOAToday.net. If you're listening live, you're actually right there. Um, and the instructions are there. It's really easy to do. Um, just take a minute to do it. And then from now on, all of our shows will show up on your smartphone or other device. And then once you've done that, make sure you share with your friends that you subscribe so that they can subscribe too. Then you won't miss anything. You won't. No. Awesome. Yeah. So the next section, he didn't struggle for money. Question mark? <laughs> Apparently, this is an example that an audience member's question came up at an, at an Abraham Hicks workshop. So, okay. Well, the question says, I have a friend who had basically financially supported her former husband for about 10 years. She worked hard and took care of him for all of that time, often struggling to earn enough money to support them. Eventually, she grew tired of his unwillingness to contribute financially, and they separated. Her husband never showed any evidence that money was important to him, but he has now just inherited over a million dollars, and now he will not share his money with his ex-wife, my friend, who supported him for all those years. 
It doesn't seem fair that she cared about money and worked hard for it and received so little while he barely worked and didn't seem to care about money and has now inherited over a million dollars. How can this be? <laughs> it's a good question. And I think it's so interesting that, and I'm sure everyone that hears this story has that sense that the the person asking the question has, it just doesn't seem fair. Right? That's right. Yeah. Well, I don't think it seems fair to anybody except maybe the guy. <laughs> Abraham, and it says the rest of the chapter, Abraham is speaking. Um, understanding the law of attraction as we do, this story makes perfect sense. Mm. This woman worked hard, felt resentment focused upon lack, and the universe matched those feelings precisely. Her husband felt ease, refused to feel guilty, expected things to come to him easily, and the universe matched those feelings precisely. Many believe that they must work hard, struggle, pay a price, and feel pain, and that they will then be rewarded for their struggle. But that is not consistent with the laws of the universe. You cannot find a happy ending to an unhappy journey. That defies law. There's not a shred of evidence to the contrary of the law of attraction. And you had the benefit of knowing these two people, seeing their attitudes, watching their results, one struggling, working very hard, doing what society has taught her, and not getting what she wants. The other, refusing to struggle, insisting on a feeling of ease, and being the recipient of the resources that support more ease. Many would say, well, it might be consistent with the laws of the universe, but it's still not right. But we want you to know that when you get in sync with this powerful law, you will then understand the absolute justice of it. Since you have control over what you offer, what could be more just than the universe giving you exactly what you offer vibrationally? What could be more just than the powerful law of attraction responding equally to everyone who offers a vibration? Once you gain control over the thoughts you think, your sense of injustice will subside and will be replaced with the exuberance for life and the zest to create that you were born with. Let everything in the universe be an example to you of the way the laws of the universe work. If you believe that you must work hard in order to deserve the money that comes to you, then money cannot come to you unless you do work hard. But the money that comes in response to physical action is very small in comparison with what comes through alignment of thought. Sure, surely you have noticed the enormous disparity between some people who apply tremendous action for little return while you see others seemingly offering very little action for an enormous return, we want you to understand that the disparity exists only in the comparison of the action they are offering. But there is no disparity or injustice relative to the alignment of energies within them. Financial success or any other kind of success does not require hard work or action, but it does require alignment of thought. You simply cannot offer negative thought about things that you desire and then make up for it with action or hard work. When you learn to direct your own thoughts, you will discover the true leverage of energy alignment. Most of you are much closer to a financial fortune than you are even allowing yourself to purely desire because in the thought that it might come, you right away begin thinking of how disappointed you will be if it does not come in. And so in your lackful thought, you do not allow yourself to desire or to expect anything magnificent in terms of money. And that is the reason why, for the most part, you are living rather mediocre financial experiences. You are right when you think money isn't everything. You certainly do not need money to have joy in your experience. But in your society, where so much of what you live is tied to money in some way, most of you associate money with freedom. And since freedom is a basic tenet of your being, then coming into alignment with money will help you establish a balanced footing that will be of value to you in all other aspects of your experience. Yeah, this is, <clears throat> this is one of those really, really difficult and really important concepts. I mean, and it's basically uh, rehashing what was talked about in the previous section, but it does it in a way that really comes home because it does seem so unjust. 
that the, the the woman worked so hard for her husband and her husband you know just basically lived off of her and then she got sick of it they divorced and he gets the million dollars and she ends up with nothing that 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 seems wrong but once you understand the law actually i have a different perspective now than i used to on her situation my perspective is why did she stay <laughs> Why did she stay so long? She worked, was it 10 years, it said, something like that? She stayed right. 10 years with this guy, feeding him, you know, just doing all this work for him because that's what society taught her to do. And I know what that's like because society taught me the same thing. And I did exactly what society taught me for the longest time. What's funny is when we were, when I was reading it, and this is a powerful section. Yeah. Um, and when I was reading through and I read that about, society teaching us to work hard i thought it starts before we're even making money oh yeah because we're taught or so many of us were taught that we have to work hard to get good grades yeah i mean how many people have heard that very phrase or something similar in their in their school life and uh, you know where, where they weren't even old enough to have a job or make money yet it was like you have to work hard so you can get good grades well how many and parents teach it today i mean is are there is there any significant amount of the population of parents that does not teach that well i just mean it's it's funny to me because the the phrasing of it is planting this seed and i don't even think it, you know the whole intention is we want what's good for you and we want to see you do well in school right? because we know that that will lead to other opportunities. But it gets coupled together with that the only way to do that is to work hard. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> and I remember telling my kids at some point, just let it be easy. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, well, what if you don't have to work hard? And I remember I asked the client this one time about they were talking to me about their child. And how important it was that they worked hard in school and, and that they felt like their child was being lazy. And, you know, and I said, well, I'm trying to figure out the question that I formulated, but I, I thought it was good. It was like, um, well, what if they could, what if they could let it be easy and get good grades? Would that mm -hmm. be okay with you? Mm -hmm. Because I was trying to work at that, that it came up so much in the conversation is it really the good grades that you're wanting or are you just upset because, because he's not working hard? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is it okay with you if he slacks and gets good grades? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't, and it wasn't. And it was because, you know, what, what starts to come up is this, the parents own ingrained belief from their parents that right. you have to work hard. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes we're really not okay with, things being easy. Like in this story, we have a woman that was struggling and working hard and supporting someone else. And so right there, I think people are not okay with that because they're like, this guy's living on easy street. What's his problem? He, he doesn't contribute. Mm -hmm. And then it gets even worse <laughs> when he inherits the million dollars. Right. It's like, Oh my goodness. Now it's really not fair. This guy is just a total slacker and the money is just pouring in. What I think is so interesting is that whole concept of it's only unjust because we're only focusing on the actions. As soon as we focus on what vibration they're offering, it's completely just. Wow. What a concept. Yeah, that's quite a difference to say the least. <laughs> And here we go again, right? With it's so hard for us to focus on the alignment instead of on the action. Well, plus, I mean, the reason I I raised the question about how many parents in society as a whole encourage kids to work hard in order to get good grades, thinking that that is the root. Because seriously, the the, the whole concept of work hard and you'll succeed is alive and well <laughs> it it's a thriving concept it's not a concept for thriving but it the concept itself thrives in society it's it's held by the vast majority of people and i i like the idea the the um the example of the person who gets good grades without having to work at it and i i like that for a couple of reasons first of all that was me that's the way i went through school and i didn't always get good grades now, here's the interesting thing, and this, this is where I think it really, where, where the rubber meets the road. 
because I, as I looked at it during the, the time I went through it, I wondered, why don't I always get good grades? And I thought, well, I wasn't working hard enough or, you know, all the usual answers. As I look back on it now, I understand that the areas where I didn't get good grades, I just didn't care about. Mm-hmm. They just weren't that important to me. I mean, I was there because I had to be there. I was forced to be there. And so it showed up in my grades. And here's the real rub. What happens when you force everybody to be there? How much of the, quote, bad grades, unquote, happen because you're forcing the kids to be there doing and studying stuff they don't want to study? Yep. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. absolutely convinced that that's the case. So when you look at it that way, now all of a sudden this whole thing about working hard and bad grades doesn't, doesn't even hold up anymore. Now, now the whole um, structure of it falls apart because it's, you realize it's based on false premises. Well, and everyone, I think, can take a look and recognize that, you know, when we talk about money, that that we all know people that work really, really hard and still don't get ahead financially. Oh, yeah. So if working hard was the key, there'd be a lot more millionaires. That's right. Right. And so we we know that that's just it's it's a bogus concept. Mm -hmm. And if it's. If it's something else, then we need to know what it is. And we do. It's, it's alignment. It's vibration. It's expectation. It's what we think is going to happen. Which leads to the next question, which is, okay, for those of us who were steeped in this whole idea, you have to work hard in order to succeed. And we did, and we haven't. Well, now we've got this lifelong habit to overcome. <laughs> we have to put this habit behind us of, oh, I got to believe I got to work hard. And I actually was running into this. Just in the last week or so, because the book that we've been working on, I, I right now it's it's pretty much in my court. Um, I mean, we're also doing the cover. You're, you're, you and your son are helping with the cover, and and others are making kind of kind in kind contributions as well. But most of it's in my court right now, and I've been really focusing lately on just the feel good about attracting money thing and taking my mind off of anything that's lack related. And here I am now faced with having to do some pretty tough work getting this book out. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be working hard. Why am I working hard here? And, I, and, and it's, it's proven to be a real nut for me to crack. I'm trying to find ways to make the work easier. But most of my ways to find the work easier involve not doing it at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, you know, I think that around the whole idea of hard work, um, is there's not hard work and easy work. There's just work you want to do and work you don't. Mm. And, yeah. you know, who can define hard work? If it's something that you're loving and enjoying, then it's not right. an issue, right? And so it's the same with what you said in school. It's like, the places where I didn't do well or the places where I had no interest. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I think that that's the point. It's not really that it's not, there's no wrong making here, right? It's not wrong to work hard any more than it's wrong to let it be easy. It's just about what feels best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really the bottom line right there. What feels best. And as I look at my own situation, I'm realizing there are certain, it's not the whole thing about putting the book together. There are aspects of it I actually enjoy. Um, but there are certain aspects that I'm not enjoying. And not just of that, but other things that are on my plate day to day. And that's where the real problem's coming in. I'm, I'm pushing myself to do things in some cases that I don't enjoy. And that feeling, that negative feeling that I get with you know, doing that kind of thing ends up carrying over to the stuff I do enjoy. It kind of pollutes it in a way. Mm. That's because th that's energy, right? Yeah, it is. You, we, we carry it with us. That's right. Yeah. So, so this, next, this next section is spending money comfortable. <laughs> oh, <laughs> speaking okay. Of, speaking of whether things feel good or not. It's, it's, it's an interesting question because my wife doesn't have any problems spending the money. I'm the one who has the problem with it. So this is going to be a good section for me, I think. A very prevalent way of looking at money was expressed to us by a woman who explained that she always feels uncomfortable when she spends her money. She had, over time, managed to save quite a bit of money. 
And whenever she would think about spending some of it, she would freeze up and feel afraid to go another step further. We explained, it is certainly understandable that when you believe that your money is coming to you because of the action that you're offering, and you also believe that you will not always be able to offer that action, you would want to hold on to your money and spend it sparingly to make it last. However, that feeling of shortage slows the process of more money flowing into your experience. If you feel uncomfortable with the idea of spending money, then we absolutely do not encourage you to spend the money while you're feeling uncomfortable. Can we stop because and underline it, that? That 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 in my opinion that should be an italics or underline or something. If you feel yeah, no, uncomfortable, I want to get my highlighter out. Yeah. If if it, you feel uncomfortable with the idea of spending money, then we absolutely do not encourage you to spend the money while you are feeling uncomfortable. While you are feeling uncomfortable. Because any action taken amidst negative emotion is never a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Which means that before we spend money, we need to get ourselves into a good feeling place. Yep. That's a pretty big concept. It says, but the reason for your discomfort is not about the action of spending the money. But instead, it is an indication that your thoughts about money in that moment are not a vibrational match to your own desire. A belief in, now this is an italics. Yep. A belief in shortage will never resonate with your broader knowing because there is no shortage. Any attention to lack of something wanted will always produce negative emotion within you because your guidance is letting you know that you have strayed from your broader basic understanding of abundance and well-being. Ooh, isn't that powerful? <laughs> it's not only powerful, it's a little bit uh, daunting. It's a little bit <laughs> eyebrow raising because what it's really saying is never spend money, never even think about spending money until you're feeling good. Because if you do, I mean, you, you, you start with this position that there, there is no shortage, but because we believe in shortage at times, we create shortage. We do it with our minds. Yeah, which means it's it's incumbent upon <laughs> us to keep our beliefs in a very positive feeling place, so we don't believe in shortage. It says find a way to ease your discomfort and eventually transform it into a feeling of hope, and then positive expectation, and then from that stable place of feeling better, that feeling of freezing up will be replaced with confidence and enthusiasm. Whether you are focused upon the shortage of money or seeing yourself as having only so many years to live, and so each day that's expended is one day closer to the end of your years, that feeling of decline is contrary to your broader understanding of the eternal nature of your being. There's another positive paragraph, not positive, but powerful paragraph. Well, it's positive yeah. too, but in, in a sense, but it's more powerful. I mean, what in we this, focus on in the long run is what we're attracting as well as in the short run. Well, and I, I, I spoke with someone one time who was like um, some of the things that they were needing, they had plenty of. It wasn't money, but of course it's connected to money because that's how we, you know, acquire things usually. Um, but they were not using them to the fullest because they didn't want to run out because they were fearful that once they ran out, they wouldn't be able to replace them. Right. And I think this paragraph is talking about exactly that, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's some kind of supplies you have, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, it's that fear of shortage. It's that fear of scarcity. It is. And, and I've particularly noticed the years thing that they talked about. Mm -hmm. So each day that is expended is one day closer to the end of your years. Every time I find myself in that thought process, I do try to stop and say, no, 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 that's not the way to think about stuff. I've got as much of a supply of years as I could possibly want. Right. But nevertheless, and the older I get, the more I get that message. I'm sure I'm getting, I'm getting it from all over the place, including from inside myself. But mainly I'm getting it from society because society says, well, you know, what's the, you know what the second most popular thing to be uh, reported in the news is? Obituaries. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Society is putting out that message because – individually that's what that's what people thinking. are focusing on yeah 
Exactly. And so collectively, we get this big double whammy, triple million whammy. (laughs) It's billion, seven billion people all having these thoughts. In the same way that you understand that you do not have to attempt the impossible task of drawing enough air into your lungs to last all day or all week or all year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) But instead, you easily breathe in and out, always receiving what you want or need whenever you want or need it. Money can flow in and out of your experience with the same ease once you achieve that expectation of eternal abundance. All of the money. Right? I, I, want to stop, I, want, I want to stop there before you get onto all the money. I want that. That's exactly what I want. I want to breathe money in and breathe money out as easily as I breathe oxygen in and out. I want the and same thing. There's a wonderful book. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. The author is Lynn twist and it might be called the soul of money. There's so many good money books available, but <laughs> um, the idea that money is, fluid and that money needs to flow in and out mm-hmm. see we we have no problem sometimes with saying oh yeah i want the money to flow in <laughs> yeah, right. but the money needs to flow out too and mm-hmm. as we as we allow the money to flow out it's like jerry said remember when he was trying to he was trying to convince himself it was okay for him to have a cadillac <laughs> right right but he said he realized that when he spent that money on that car that there were a lot of people that were employed in the manufacturing of it. And those are the kind of thoughts that I always think about is that I'm contributing to the well-being of other people when I'm spending money. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a very good and point. Then, and then it flows back in. Mm-hmm. But I have to be willing to also let it flow back out. Yes. It has to go both ways. You know, it's like, what do they say when one of the things that we do when we're under stress is we hold our breath. Mm-hmm. And I know I've caught myself before. Oh, take a deep breath because see, there's the siren going yep. by. Is that we hold our breath. And in the same way, we know that's not healthy. It's not healthy to breathe a whole bunch of air in and then not let it out in the same way that money has to flow in and out. Mm-hmm. It's a great analogy. It is. That, that's why I keep going back to um, what they were talking about before about how important it is to well i guess like they're saying here to just let it flow to let to to be willing to spend as easily as we receive it and to believe that both are going to continue to happen because in a sense we're we're holding our monetary breath otherwise you know i think that it's important to recognize there's a concept for success that's about being willing to take imperfect action and whenever I explain this to a client, I always make sure to say, look, now, I'm not saying that you should be okay with shoddy workmanship, no, right? Or just putting something together that's just crap and putting it out there. Right. What I am saying is that holding on to something and, and to keep tweaking it and tweaking it because it's not, you know, I'm making air quotes, but perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we have to be willing, one of the things that will factor one of the factors that will lead to our success more than anything else is being willing to take imperfect action. And so I kind of think of this in the same way is when we say we have to be willing to spend, we're not saying just go blow all your money and just not, not be responsible about how you spend it or what you do with it or how you invest it. Sure. We want to feel good about money. And so we want to take the time to know that we're investing it wisely or we're buying something that we're really going to enjoy or doing something with our money that, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's well, not well, yeah, just about I mean, buy, going out and buying something times. that buying something that doesn't, that was not well put together. That was shoddily built. That's an excellent example. Buying that thing is contrary to what they're saying here because they pointed out, you need to get yourself in vibrational alignment before you spend anything. Mm, mm-hmm. If you're buying that thing, that, that you know is shoddily built. Well, the fact that you call it shoddily built means that you don't like the way it was built. So you are now admitting that you're buying it from a vibrational perspective of negativity, of lack of, <laughs> I don't like that. Right. The exact so, thing they told us not to do. So we're back to the alignment again. It's there always it about alignment, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So all of the money that you want is available for you to receive. 
just just go ahead and just highlight that sentence. <laughs> no, I'm just breathing in money, and out as I'm reading this. <laughs> all of the money you want is available for you to receive. All you have to do is allow it into your experience. And as the money flows in, you can gently allow it to flow out. For like the air you breathe, there will always be more to flow. You do not have to guard your money like holding your breath and not letting it out. Oh, that's funny. They just use that uh, <laughs> because there will not be any more coming. More is coming. People sometimes protest as they tell their tales of shortage or scarcity, pointing out the, and this is in quotes, reality of the shortage that they have experienced, witnessed, or heard about. And we understand that there are plenty of examples to point to of people who are experiencing shortages of many things that they desire. But we want you to understand that those experiences of shortage are not because abundance is not available, but because it is being disallowed. Yeah, I thought it was ironic that they put the word reality in quotation marks because... Mm -hmm. Going back to that, that sentence there, it says, people sometimes protest as they tell their tales of shortage or scarcity, pointing out the reality of the shortage that they have experienced, witnessed, or heard about. And the reason I think it's ironic to put the word reality in quotation marks is the people created that shortage. So it really was real for them. Right, right. But it, it, this also <laughs> illustrates just how malleable reality is because they created it. So reality is also equally malleable in the sense that you can create the abundance. They are both creatable by human beings in their thought processes. This is interesting too. Continuing to tell stories of shortage only continues to contradict your desire for abundance. And you cannot have it both ways. Yes. You cannot focus upon unwanted and receive wanted. Mm. You cannot focus upon stories about money that make you feel uncomfortable and allow into your experience what makes you feel comfortable. You have to begin telling a different story if you want different results. We would begin by saying, I want to feel good. I want to feel productive and expansive. My thoughts are the basis for the attraction of all things that I consider to be good, which includes enough money for my comfort and joy, which includes health and wonderful people around me who are stimulating and uplifting and exciting. I want to, I want to interrupt again. That mm -hmm. paragraph has a really important word in it. I want to read the first part of it. It says, we would begin by saying, I want to feel good. I want to feel productive and expansive. I know for myself and for most people, when we hear that word productive, the first thing that cues in my mind is hard work. Mm. Yeah. Very first thing that comes to my mind is hard work. But that's not what they mean by it. They're not talking yeah. about productive as hard work. In fact, it raises a good question. How would we phrase what it is that they do mean? Because being productive in their context means getting into alignment and letting the energy do the work. It's kind of like in a okay. golf swing or a baseball swing. A good golf swing or a good baseball swing is not one where you try to muscle the ball. You try to muscle right. the ball, you're not going to hit it very far. But a good you swing is where through. the, the right. swing takes care of knocking the ball down the fairway or into the seats or whatever it is. That's being right. productive with your swing. So it has nothing to do with hard work. It has to do with allowing the energy to flow and do the work. You know, it reminds me of at one point, before when I was still in school and at the end of school and I was actually um, an, an intern and a, an assistant to a very well-known um, and successful coach. And I remember, I remember one day that she was kind of down on herself about, Oh, I haven't, haven't been very productive today. And I said, what? And she was like, I guess I need to just, you know, get some stuff done. I feel <laughs> like I've, I haven't, I've been in a slump and I haven't been very productive, like really all week. And I said, are you kidding me? And I, and I just started reading off the list of everything that we had gotten accomplished that week. And it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh my goodness. 
And then she was like, thank you so much for like bringing all that to my attention. Wow. And her whole energy shifted around what we had gotten accomplished. Well, here was the thing. She, she, we weren't working super hard. We were having fun and we got mm -hmm. it all done. Yep. And yet I think, you know, now today thinking about it, I'm like, okay, so this goes back to that. I'm not working hard enough. Right. And then the sense of like, I'm not being productive because I'm not working hard enough. Because why? Because there's not enough pain and suffering and not enough. Well, <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, that's it. You just <laughs> yeah. nailed it. I, I was going to say, I, <laughs> I went through this just in the, well, I went through it in the last week when I was going through the stuff I was talking about before. And I would have at the end of the day, the feeling that I hadn't been as productive as I wanted to. And it wasn't until I went through the day, like you did with her that I remind myself of all the things that I got done that I really was productive. So why did I feel like I wasn't productive? And I yeah, realized what the answer enough. was. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's kind of the ironic way of saying it. More, more descriptively, I would say I had fallen into a negative feeling state and I had associated my state with my productivity. It wasn't an actual relationship mm -hmm. that was going on. I had created the relationship. I had decided that because I was not feeling good at that particular point in time, it must mean that I wasn't productive when, in fact, the I, two were not related at all. I think that's exactly what happened in the story I was telling, too. Yeah. yeah and, I you know, so. it could even have been that that we were really productive and it was a, a long week and, oh, yeah. and we were feeling tired or depleted because, you know, when you start to feel physically tired, things don't look as bright and cheerful as they do. In fact, Normally, I now right? understand, I mean, just even, this has been a kind of a breakthrough for me. I now understand that the next time I feel like I haven't been productive, instead of looking first, not that I shouldn't look at all, but instead of looking first at what I produce, what I really want to look at is, why am I really feeling down? Because it has nothing to do with productivity. Right. No, I, I totally, I, I agree. And I think that it's that whole idea of you know, Jack Canfield mirror work, mm -hmm. um, what he said he started doing, right, was at the end of the day, going down the list of all the things he'd accomplished. Yeah. And I, I, it just hit me when we were talking about it. I was like, oh, that's that, that's that thing of, you know, validating ourselves that we have accomplished something. Mm -hmm. Yep. And more importantly, so I, I think it's even more important to recognize that these, the associations are false associations. That yeah, this definitely. association just, we drew is just not an appropriate association. And when, we're, when we draw that association, we're setting ourselves up for failure. We're setting ourselves up for loss because we're saying the only way that I can come to grips with this fact that I'm not feeling good right now is to blame it on not being productive. Even if I have been productive, I still must draw that association. That's a, that is a huge formula for failure right there. So I'm going to wrap up this this page, it's just a short paragraph, but it's good information in the last like minute we've got here. Begin telling the story of your desire and then add to it the details of the positive aspects that you can find that match those desires and then embellish your positive expectation by speculating with your good feeling. Wouldn't it be nice if mm. examples say things like only good things come to me while I don't have all the answers and while I don't know all the steps. I can't identify all of the doors that will open for me. I know that as I move through time and space, the path will be obvious to me. I know I'll be able to figure it out as I go along. Every time you tell your better feeling story, you will feel better and the details of your life will improve. The better it gets, the better it gets. <laughs> and I love this part. This part right here. I know that as I move through time and space, the path will be obvious to me. Mm -hmm. I know I will be able to figure it out as I go along. Isn't that a great thought? It is. It's a great way to end the show, too, because we're actually out of time. But uh, this, this has been really, really good. This has been one of the best uh, sections of the book we've discussed so far. So it's been, it's been really, really fantastic. I agree. Yeah. So I, once again, unfortunately, you, don't, you and I don't get to talk for another six days, but I'm looking forward <laughs> in a big way to the next time we have to talk about this book because I'm, I'm, I want to get through the whole thing again. This is good. <laughs> well, I'll be back next week. And then I'll be back next week as well. In fact, I'll be back here every day. So please join us every single day here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>